Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman, Alex Bernard Rasmussen, Andy Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. We will be right back. Chad Lewis, the book is called The Big Muddy Monster Legends, Sightings, and Other Strange Encounters. That was my scary voice. What'd you think? <laughs> we'll be right Chilling. back, right after this, with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. That works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive introduces the new kids on the block, not the band. It's their three newest dealerships. Experience the Walzer way at Wyzetta Nissan on 394 or Walzer Polar Chev and Walzer Polar Mazda on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake. I've had all three general managers on the podcast, and I can honestly say that Mike, John, and Brett are some of the finest car people in the seven-county Mosquito Control District. This month, in addition to great deals, they're searching for used cars and will pay Kelly Blue Book Excellent whether you trade or sell outright. Some reconditioning can apply, so please, no flood cars from Apple Valley. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Chevy, Mazda, or Nissan, check out the new kids on the block. Don't tell them Tom sent you. Just show up and be amazed. That stuff never works anyway. Listen to you. Happy Halloween. Well, they don't have a Muddy Monster song, which I think they should. They should have a big Muddy Monster song. Yes. Absolutely. Why should. not? Is Chad ready to go? He is. Chad Lewis, how are you, sir? Damn, that good? I'm glad to hear it. The Big Muddy Monster, Legends, Sightings, and Other Strange Encounters. That's the name of the book. Um, can Chad hear us? Chad, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay, good. Excellent. Uh, For over 100 years, a giant unknown hairy monster has been terrorizing the people of southern Illinois, thought to inhabit the riverbanks and wooded areas surrounding the Big Muddy River. This Why does he have to be white-furred? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, The white-furred beast is often said to be over 8 feet tall and covered in mud. Join three researchers as they set off to investigate dozens of odd sightings and discover that sometimes fact is far stranger than fiction. Chad Lewis, the author of The Big Money Monster, Legends, Sightings, and Other Strange Encounters. Chad, fascinating story, especially for a Monday. Thanks for coming coming on with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So how did you get involved with this whole thing? Well, I've been studying the strange and unusual for the last couple decades, and I'm always interested in stories that 
even amongst the weird, are very strange that really get my attention. And that's what caught my eye about the Big Muddy Monster is that it seemed to be sort of Bigfoot-type story, but yet it was something even more bizarre. Chad, do you think that people, you know, I've never seen anything like this. Do you think some people want to identify a monster as the real thing that's, you know, constantly causing them to feel afraid or feel uneasy or whatever? So whether there is or is not a big money monster, and I'm not saying there's not, but whether there is or not, it would serve a purpose either way, wouldn't it? Well, I think that is uh, often the case in the whole field of paranormal, not just cryptids or monsters, but also people that report their homes haunted or that they've been abducted by beings not of this earth that... My background is actually in the field of psychology. Oh, okay. So I take a great interest in looking at how human perception and belief systems play into the belief that you've encountered something that, for the most part, most people would you know, agree that it's not there, that it's not real and flesh and blood like just some undiscovered creature. Right, absolutely. Is it mostly men that see it, or is it men and women, or mostly women? Is there any common thread here? There's not. There's no rhyme or reason as to whether one gender sees it more, or age of the the witness, really? or education level, and or religiosity, or whether they're a skeptic or a believer. That these things seem to happen to the whole spectrum of people. One thing I do know is it usually happens to people that are not out actively seeking it, that many people will contact me and say, now, I don't believe in UFOs or I don't believe in ghosts, but this is what happened to me. So I think oftentimes it might be portrayed as men seeing Bigfoot and other creatures, but Mm -hmm. it runs the whole gamut. It does, yeah. Well, see, that's why I asked the question, because it, it does always seem on these, you know, a lot of these movies and TV shows that it's always men that see this thing. But you're telling me, no, it's pretty much everybody in all of, of all ages. Well, I actually did my master's thesis on beliefs in the paranormal. And one of the significant differences between genders was that men were much more likely to believe in creatures like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or vampires or werewolves than women were. And I equated that to, you know, these were things you could catch, you could hunt, you could kill it if you had to. So men were more likely to believe in that, where Mm -hmm. women, at least in my thesis, were significantly more likely to believe in internal uh, paranormal things of ESP, telepathy, out-of-body experiences things that might be more, you know, emotional than physical. God, you know, Chad, you got you picked a great uh, life for yourself. What a great area to be in. It's fascinating. Like I said, whether it's true or not or part, partially true, whatever it is, it is a fascinating subject. One thing I would I would ask, uh, this is, you know, more from your, your, your college training, uh, asking that, Chad Lewis, the college guy, um, do you think part of this is, because I've noticed that Big men, like broad-shouldered, tall men, some people cannot stand to be around them. They, they basically treat them like they're a monster because they're just a lot bigger than everybody else. Is that part of the problem? Has that always been a problem in, in society? Because there is definitely something noticeable out there right now. The bigger you are, the more some other guys don't like you. 
Yeah, and that dates back. I did several books on old newspaper stories of the weird and unusual late 1800s, early 1900s. And you got that quite a bit with yeah. the, the Giants. I mean, dating back to P.T. Barnum and his circus freaks, as they were called, and right. then Robert Ripley of Ripley's Believe It or Not, putting people that are outside of the, the average, whether it's on the small end or the large end, often people are uncomfortable with that, even – in our modern day society, uh, that that problem still persists. Yes. Yeah, it, it just so it is. There's a very human element to this monster, isn't there? Well, there is, and there's there's also what is fascinating about this monster is that people have seen it out hiking. People have seen it in the safety of their vehicle, mm. the safety of their home, and no matter where they see it, they're overcome with this uncanny fear, this unnatural fear that. In their mind, they should feel safe, but yet something's telling them if they don't leave the area, something bad's going to happen to them. And oftentimes when they get away from the scene, they're a little embarrassed and shy about how frightened they've become. But at that moment, it's almost like they're in a zone of fear. God, that's amazing. It must have been, uh, okay, for, for, so first of all, how many people have you talked to that insist they've seen the big money monster? Do you know the number I of people? Personally, yes. I've personally interviewed over a dozen people that claim they've seen it. And then I've interviewed a lot of people that uh, didn't see it, but they believe the witnesses. And what I mean by that is I talked to a lot of the police officers that responded to these calls from people that believed they were being you know, attacked or had seen this monster. And these police officers were convinced that the witnesses believed the story. Now, they weren't, might not be convinced that a monster was causing it, but they were convinced that something scared those witnesses. And then, of course, we have newspaper accounts going back to the early 1900s about this creature being spotted. They called it the thing because they had no explanation for it. And they even offered in the 1940s a $100 reward, Ooh. nice little sum back then, sure. for its capture. And nobody captured it. Maybe some of your listeners can... We get that reward today. No, I mean, what, what Chad is talking about here, back in the, in the uh, late 1940s, if you were making $100 a week, you were killing it on your job back then. So, I mean, that was a lot of money back then, a week's worth of salary, pretty much. Yeah, and a lot of these, I'm fascinated as well by a lot of these stories of creatures throughout the U.S., throughout history, I'm amazed that so many posses were gathered to hunt these things. Mm-hmm. Usually after a sighting, whether it was formally gathered or not, hundreds of people would descend on these communities, showing up with weapons, cages, tranquilizer guns, looking to hunt these things where the local law enforcement, they were afraid these people were going to shoot one another by mistake. So it was almost like chaos after these, these uh, big right. sightings received publicity. Now, there, there, there are some pictures of what's supposed to be Bigfoot. Is there any even dullish, distant picture of the big, muddy monster? Are there any pictures at all? Nothing whatsoever. And I think a lot of people, that's one criticism of the mm-hmm. field is that now that everybody has a phone uh, camera on their phone and video camera and everyone has trail cameras and game cameras and security cameras, we have cameras on our doorbells now. How do we not have any type of proof of any right. of these creatures right. and stories? And that's 
you know, one of the more puzzling things that you'd think just by chance somebody would have captured something, but as of yet, nothing. I wonder how mental illness enters into this. And by that, I mean, you know, people, we talked about earlier, people being uh, ill at ease uh, in their lives. They, they're, 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 they're maybe fearful, but they don't even know what they're fearful of or scared of. Uh, maybe they just, they, maybe they just kind of, maybe they actually do see it. I don't know. Maybe they do, but it seems to me you, is it, is it more mentally healthful to believe there is a bad guy out there or is it headed down the wrong direction as far as psychologically is concerned? I've seen both angles of this where I've seen many people jump to a conclusion that it must have been that rattling in the rafters couldn't have been a raccoon. It had to have been a spirit and a, a demonic one at that. And then I've seen the other side where people tell me very convincing stories, but they often try to explain it away saying, well, it must have been, you know, a bear, even though I've never seen a bear Mm -hmm. walk upright for, you know, 200 yards, something of that nature, where I've seen on both ends that people often try to rationalize away their sighting, and others jump and cling to the paranormal when it probably does have a logical explanation to it. God, that stuff is fascinating to me. We're talking to Chad Lewis, The Big Muddy Monster, Legends, Sightings, and Other Strange Encounters. Where does the book begin, Chad? Uh, pardon? Where does the book begin as, as far as the Big Muddy Monster is concerned? Yeah, it begins back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s with all the, the terror that it was causing in these communities where reading some of these old newspaper accounts of it are fascinating because they're warning parents not to let their children out after dark unaccompanied and keep an eye on them because the monster's killing livestock and devouring and leaving nothing but, you know, it's, it's devoured head behind very gruesome stuff where the town was in a total uproar. And these were several towns in south, uh, southern Illinois, which if any of your listeners have not been to southern Illinois, forget what you think of Chicago or Springfield. Right. Southern Illinois is the south. It there's is, the yeah. accent. There's the swampy waters, the terrain. I it's a couple hours south of St. Louis, Missouri, so it, it's in the south. And that's the setting for this swampy monster with glowing red eyes. Yeah, I, that's the fascinating thing to me about this. So did it catch you immediately? You said, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to write this book. And did, did all of the eyewitness people and all the people you interviewed about this, all the research you did, did it really, was it pretty rich mining there for you? I mean, you find all these things to put in your book, I would imagine. It was a combination. A lot of the old stories were there. They were just kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, no one had collected these, so it was a lot of work digging them up. And then, of course, new research into the creature. And then pre-book stuff or post-book stuff, because like a lot of the other books I've done on weird stories is that after the book comes out, a lot more witnesses come forward than you would ever imagine because they didn't know you were doing a book or the research, no matter how much you get the word out there. So even though this book's only been out about a month, we've had half a dozen people contact us with their story about the big muddy as well. That's amazing because that was my next question for you. How many other monsters will appear now in the Chad Lewis uh message box people oh, uh, 
on average, I receive about 200 emails a week about people <laughs> experiencing something unusual. Yeah. And I do about 150 lectures a year. And you can imagine how many people come up after the, the program and tell me a story. Uh, for instance, my next book is on the Wendigo creature, which your listeners in Minnesota certainly are going to recognize mm-hmm. because there are several spots in the state which they believe this giant cannibalistic winter spirit is roaming those parts. I just love the fact that in Minnesota it has to be a winter spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can't be, you know, the, the summer spirit uh, or creature because it would only be seen about a week, a week and a half. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much true, Chad. About 10 days in July, that's about it. <laughs> That'll be the extent of it. But, you know, that might tie in also with what we're talking about, the fear that people have. Look, if, if you are in the wrong place at the wrong time and maybe you've had a couple of cocktails and you're trying to get somewhere walking in January, you could die. So there is that, that fear of winter. So it makes sense that Minnesotans would fear a winter monster. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Especially, up, uh, think of the late 1800s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, oh. and parts of Canada, when starvation was real. Yep. And that was setting in, and this thing was thought to be a, a, an omen of death, meaning that if you saw it, someone was going to die that you knew, or maybe even yourself. So it always preyed on people that were resorting possibly to even cannibalism because starvation had set in in those dire storms of the winter god you know chad sometime i'm gonna have to, i know our, our time is up but i, I want to talk to you sometime about i've seen two things in my life and i don't know why but when i was a little boy maybe eight nine years old ten years old something like that on two different occasions once for my my grandfather and once for my mother's cousin i dreamt that they were standing at a big tall black wall looking up at it and I found out a couple of days later they were both dead. Isn't that weird? Yeah, a death visitation. Yeah, like Very a death visitation. Oh, is it? it? Yeah, it happens. God, it was so eerie that I said, God, you know, I saw Grandpa and I saw Uncle. And they're like, well, they're dead. I'm like, ooh. that's not good news though is it chad i'd love to talk to you again the big muddy monster legend sightings and other strange encounters great interview thank you sir hey keep an eye out (laughs) we'll do it chad thank you we'll be back with the family it's tom bernard with north american banking company ceo and my buddy michael bilski michael let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year how can north american banking company get that job done At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me too? No. Thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't. (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. 
There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Love this song. Speaking of which music, they announced that possibly ACDC is getting back together with Brian Johnson. Oh, you can sing again? Yeah, but they're thinking about doing an album, kind of like what they did when Bon Scott passed away and then Brian Johnson took over. The Back in Black album was mm-hmm. kind of a tribute album to Bon right, Scott, so right. now they're thinking about coming up with another album and tour as a tribute to Malcolm. Means one of them's broke. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you think that's what it is? Yeah. Ax- needs- Axel wasn't holding the yeah. fort down one for them. One of them needs money. Unbelievable. No, that'd be great news if it happens. Yes, I've always wanted to see ACDC. I'm a huge fan. And I was kind of, the last time they were here, it was February, it was Valentine's Day, a couple, I want to say 2016. And I'm like, oh, I'll just see. I couldn't afford tickets at the time because they were like 300 bucks, oh, the only man, ones that were geez. available. And I'm like, oh, I'll just see them next time around, get them in more advanced and cheaper. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's when Brian Johnson announced he had to quit the band because of right. his hearing loss. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I'm so stoked. I'll, I will fly anywhere right now to go see them. So. Brian Johnson's been on the KQ Morning Show a few times. Could not find a nicer guy. Very oh, he's interesting awesome. guy. Really interesting. You know what the first thing he bought was when he started making money, Tevin? Did he buy his mom a house? Nope. He bought a Rolls Royce. Nice. And I said, why would you go out and first thing? Look, I understand if you want a Rolls Royce, it's your business or beautiful cars. And he said, I always wanted to ride in a Rolls Royce because where I'm from, me son. He kept calling me son the whole time. (laughs) Where I'm from, me son, the only time the people there get to ride in a Rolls Royce is it's it's their uh, hearse. The funeral. Oh, the funeral. Okay. For, their yeah, the funeral. Fun- for their own funeral. They get to ride in the back of a Rolls Royce. <laughs> got, I, wanted to, I wanted to ride in a Rolls Royce when I was alive. <laughs> see, I can see that. Yeah. Great guy, though. I, I hope I hope it's true. I hope they're yes. not making it up. I hope that is very, very yeah, it's true. It's making its round, so hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully, something will come about and they will come through the Twin Cities. That would be good. That'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they they're huge here. So I so didn't really they sick. didn't they sell US Bank Stadium like when a couple yeah. years ago? Yep, they did indeed. Really, really good. Uh, I just I loved seeing them. And well, there's what only two of the original members. Well, the original members only one left, right? Yeah, that would be Angus. Uh, yeah, because the drummer. Oh, yeah, I don't think Ringus. Angus. Angus. Malcolm and Angus were brothers, control. but Malcolm just passed away yeah, about a year and a oh, half, okay. two years ago of cancer. Yeah, he did, yep. Yep. And then Brian Johnson was the replacement singer for Bon Scott, who died of a overdose in his trunk. 
Yeah. In his trunk? He, the trunk of his car. Yeah. They put him in the trunk of his car so he wouldn't get hit Oh, okay. I thought he just like crawled in there on his own. And no, it's they, rock and roll. <laughs> roll in there. They put him in there to keep him from getting hurt wandering the streets. No, he crawled in and because instead, of Tevin. Yeah, probably because yeah. to get away. What do you mean he doesn't know who the Beatles are? He's going to go in here and die. <laughs> go here and die because of Tevin Pittman. That's just how it's going to go. See what you've done. Way to go. Mm-hmm. Angus is the one that wore the schoolboy outfit all the time. Yeah. At ACDC. You know Always what I'm talking about? Look. No, the only like AC You ever get out of the house? Dude, I don't probably like, never heard of ACDC. ACDC, yeah, back in black where it's like dun na na na. Yeah, that song. Yep. And they and Jack Black Jack Black sang a lot of their songs in School of Rock, right? Yeah, there we go. Okay. What that's, did that's you true. do during your childhood? <laughs> like, what? Devin's on the bad side of Alex today because of the Beatle what? comment. What? What? <laughs> Phenomenal. No, I know ACDC, we, they, we used to Okay, because you've heard games. one of their yeah, songs I'm, and they were played in a mall once that yeah, you were in. Does yeah. not mean that you know. Well, we go way back. Okay. You're kind of harsh on Devin today. I just, just what, okay, what did you grow up listening to? Rap. Your parents played rap oh, no, at your they, house? No, I don't know what my parents, what did my parents play? Uh, like in the car, around the house, they just like, listen to music. Did like, they play just Ebony and Ivory a lot? <laughs> yeah, a lot of Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> 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 over and over. It's over and over and over. On a loop, like, all day, all every day. day. My mom, get the message here, Tevin. <laughs> my mom listened to like a lot of like gospel music. Oh, she did? Uh, type of stuff. I love gospel. Um, Fabulous. But yeah, I don't know. Other than that, like my uncle, he always listened to like Hip hop. He did. How old was your pop, uncle? Like, I think he's. How old is he now? Like thirty something. He was only like he was like my youngest. Oh, uncle, he was. So okay. Yeah, he was like the cool uncle. So I just listened to whatever he did. Oh, yeah, and no, he no, helped no. me lie to my grandma when I got my first like MP3 player, and I had like Snoop Dogg and just a bunch of like rap Uh-oh. on there. And my grandma sees me sitting at the counter like listening to music. She's like, "Oh, what are you listening to?" And I tell her, like, oh, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, like, NWA. Oh, and she's like, oh, who are those? And I'm about to, like, expose oh, myself. And my uncle's like, oh, that's a Christian, it's a new Christian group that's out. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop Dogg Snoop Dogg. Lying to your relative. Oh, my grandma, really she, ran nice. a, she ran a daycare and... Uh, so like a bunch of kids were in the basement like playing and stuff and I go down there and they were probably you know, like five or six years old and they're listening to Kid Rock and I'm like like what is going on so I like, go back upstairs like hey grandma you realize what these kids are listening to downstairs and she's like yeah they're listening to Kid Rock and I'm like like you're okay with them listening to to this music? Was it ball with the ball? Yeah, like that's yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And she's like, she like looks at me and she's like, well, yeah, Tevin, it's like rock and roll for for kids. And I was like, no, Grandma, that's that's kid not. rock. That's oh, cute cowboy! That is oh, my God, nope. cute kid rock. That's so kid rock. Is rock. Yeah, kids. it's rock and roll for I kids. Love I love that. that, but also horrifying. <laughs> at the same time, poor children. God, I think that's a great story. <laughs> I just Rotten. learned something interesting. What? Do you know who's going to be in the uh, next Mulan film? Kid Rock. Dua Mua. What? Yeah. Oh, Dua Mua's going to be in the next Wild. one? Wild. They, they went to high school with him. He played oh. the, uh, the the gangbanger in uh He played Spider Grand in Grand Torino. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's going to be... Wait, you, know, you guys they, went to high school with him? Yeah. yeah. Well, middle high. school. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. You know the, uh, the giant fat one? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be him. Oh, cool. Good for him. The giant fat one. He was always one. very, very nice. He was a nice was. kid. Well, Ooh, the character. The giant fat one? No, the, the cartoon character that he's playing is giant fat. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
Oh, and the live act. Yeah, they're doing a live action. They're doing a live action one, of Long, course, because yeah. they're going to do a live action oh, version of every one of their movies. movies. I'm hoping, and Dave mentioned this to me yesterday, if Lion King is successful, I wonder if they're going to do a live action Bambi. Oh, that would God. be hard. Who would play Bambi? Oh, that would I don't be know. sad. But they played That'd all the other, other animals. Like Thumper, can you imagine a real life bunny Thumper like Thumper? Cute. Or mm. they're doing the flower the in the Little Mermaid. Oh yeah, action. the she's black. Yeah, yeah Little Mermaid's black. Yeah, yep. there's big hubbub yeah. about that now. Why is there hubbub about that? Because Little Mermaid, Mermaid was white. And well, black people like, don't swim, Tom. You mermaids know. Aren't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Black people don't swim. That's don't why everybody's swim. upset. <laughs> black people do not. Well, no, black they're like swimming. Forget it. No, this is how this is how backhanded like the racist comments have gone. The Little Mermaid can't be, you know, black. She's supposed to have red hair. That's the comment. Oh, that I know going. plenty of black, black people with red hair. I know, right? Like, like no, just say because she's supposed to be white. Just right. don't try and you know if you're gonna be like that. Just well, because all yeah. of the other live action ones, they've had the people look like the yeah. cartoons. Yeah. It is weird and then to go all of so a sudden they've model. like. Mm-hmm. But honestly, because though, Little Mermaid like couldn't be whiter. If you would yeah. think yeah. with a mermaid being out in the ocean and the sun all the time, she wouldn't be that pasty. No, but yeah, she's she should Danish. Be in a <laughs> she's da- mer- no. Danish mermaid. Little Mermaid's Danish Hans Christian Andersen. Story. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Oh. What a little mermaid goes, goddamn crab talking to me. Wouldn't that be great? She'd like to be a ghetto black. The little... <laughs> she actually has green skin in the Hans Christian Andersen story. Oh, she story. does have green skin? Mm-hmm. And she was like, it's a real dark story. I yeah, like I the actual yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is real dark. Really dark. If you really look into the folklore of mermaids, they're not these beautiful not creature, no. the creatures. Is, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they want to kill people for their like eternal souls yep. and stuff. So like yeah, it's real weird. They'll look pretty else on their face. The soul change. Right out of me. Okay, oh, it's there. And same with fairies too. Like the theory of fair, the history of fairies. Yeah, fairies they're supposed to be like these evil little creatures too. They're not like little Tinkerbells oh, yeah. bouncing around. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't make for good cartoons for kids, mm-hmm. though. Well, yeah. look at Tinkerbell. I mean, in the Peter Pan. Oh, yeah, Pants. she was evil. Jeez. She was. She was trying to sabotage Wendy and because she wanted... Cheeky little fairy. <laughs> I know. She was Cheeky mad at... Cheeky little fairy. She was. She She pulled little temper tantrums because Peter wouldn't That's give true. her enough they, attention. Yeah. Wait, do they know who's playing Ursula in the Little Mermaid? Oh, I don't yet? know. I don't know. Uh, which one's Ursula? I've only heard about the like the, the octopus, octopus lady. Evil. Oh, the octopus yeah. lady. Oh, oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. No, we don't. How, how long have I known you? Uh, I don't know. Like while, four like, or five years. Oh, longer than that. It's got to be longer than that. Now? Yeah, well, so. okay, we've been doing the podcast for almost seven. seven. Yeah. It's yeah. seven. Oh, next yeah, month. probably like five years, six, six. years. The girl six who years, the girl who's playing the voice of Ariel is very. She looks like Janet Jackson to me. Look at her. She does look like Janet. I know. Jack, Haley, just like her name is Haley something. Haley Bailey. Haley Bailey. Yeah. Tevin Tevin. Tevin. <laughs> <laughs> Tevin. No more Pittman. Haley Bailey. Tevin Pevin. Tevin Pevin. That's your new name. Haley. Yeah. Tommy Bommy. Let me look up on IMDb. Yeah, she's know. really young. Yeah, she yeah. looks like Janet, though. She's I was like, young. is that? She does look like Janet Jackson. She looks like Jackson. Janet Jackson love child, if you ask oh, me. Oh, well, no. With Tevin Pevin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tevin Pevin. Ursula is rumored to be Melissa McCarthy. What? Oh, really? Oh, she, oh yeah. She it's rumored, yeah. Yeah, yeah she'd I make a see good that. one. Yeah, absolutely. Except for Ursula is scary, not, like, yeah. silly. yeah. Melissa McCarthy's. I don't know. Well, everything silly. I'm hearing about this, the remake of Little Mermaid, makes it sound pretty horrible. You know, really like Aquafina, the most yeah. annoying Aquafina. person on earth, is going to be Scuttle. 
Yeah, they don't really have much of the cast yet. I can see Aquafina being Scuttle. I can see her I can never see again. Because Scuttle's happy. not in Who's it that Aquafina? much. She's... I thought we were talking about the water bottle. <laughs> <What? laughs> I was like, are they sponsoring the movie? Her name is Aquafina. A-W-K-W-A-F-I-N-A. It's her stage. I have no idea who she is. I do not like her. Awkward with water is Aquafina. Yeah, it's her stage name. She was in Crazy Rich Asians, Neighbors 2, Ocean's 8. She was in Ocean's 8, yeah. Well, that's her on the left there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah, she's in stuff. She's in a lot of stuff. She's she was okay in Crazy Rich Asians. Actually, and I think she'd be. I think she'd make a fine scuttle. I saw a trailer for the movie called The Kitchen. Have you Mm -hmm. seen that? It's got Mm -hmm. Melissa McCarthy. uh, What's the gal who plays in um, something Moss uh, from um, Elizabeth Moss? Yes, from from Handmaid's Tale. And then what's the Tiffany Haddish? Mm-hmm. They play like these three mob wives that oh. all their husbands are in prison and they're not getting enough money, so they decide to run the neighborhood as they're yeah. taking their husbands' oh. places, and it actually looks pretty good. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I see that. Joe from Louisville wants to know why they've never never made a live action Fantasia. We just watched Fantasia for a little bit. I loved Fantasia. It takes a real long time. Sure, the marching mops to get. To Mickey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's I, only in the tiniest bit of the... Yeah. Fon- everything else is basically like, look at the new technology we had in 1940. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, were pi- we were at Diane, my mother-in-law's condo building, and they have a room where they have VHS tapes. Oh, there awesome. you go. And like a real old TV, and it's like the grandparents' rooms. Mm-hmm. So there's like a bunch of kid toys and stuff. And she picked out Fantasia. She was like, Mickey Mouse. And I was like, great. And yeah, it's like probably 40 minutes before Mickey Mouse actually shows <laughs> yeah, up. It's all just time. like swirly colors yep. and classical music. And she's like, I don't want to watch this one. And I'm like, he's coming, I swear. That was super cool back then, though. It was mm-hmm. really cool. It was amazing. Yeah. But they couldn't was... do a live action Fantasia because the first 40 minutes is just swirling colors. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. That's true. So, Tevin, let me ask you a question. Yep. What do you think, as a spokesperson for all black people, yep. as a representative, what do you think of the fact that they're replacing all of these honkies with black people in all the roles? Isn't that kind of pandering, don't you think? Isn't Hollywood kind of like like what like what like well, are you talking about the Little Mermaid? Like Little Mermaid and James Bond is now going to be a black woman, Jane Bond. Rumor. I mean, yeah. no, it's she's already been cast. She was in the movie, but she's they haven't said that. That's that's just the Daily Mail said that she's going to be. Well, and but, you can't trust them with anything. I'm still mad that isn't like I'm still holding out for Idris Elba to be. James Bond. James he Bond. would he make up that yeah. billion times. And he would have been a really good James Bond. He would have been a great James yeah. Bond. It's true. Look, and, and I, do I care? No, but it's just kind of weird. It seems like Hollywood's jumping through their ass to make sure that black people like. Yeah, them. and again, it's, it's like kind of obnoxious. It's like when you used to get like the the token black guy in the movie just so they could say there was a black <laughs> guy in the movie. The black, like there were black <laughs> cowboys. There right. were yeah. Spanish, black, Asian. They're all kind of cowboys. Well, there were absolutely. Matter of fact, I think one third of all cowboys were black. And kind of doubt that. That's what they're saying. What? That's what they're like. Riding horses. Like in the wild, wild west. Will Smith. Will Smith was. Yeah, wild, wild west. (laughs) There we go. That's true. Will Smith. (laughs) Will Smith. Oh my god. God, We're talking to a friend uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's talking about hanging out with Will Smith. Mm -hmm. So he said, "Okay, well, um, just meet us at the Van Nuys Airport." He goes, "Van Nuys Airport." He goes, isn't that where all the big private jets fly out of? And he goes, 
I'm Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith, I feel like, would be a cool person to hang out with. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. He does, absolutely. Like he seems like fun, and he doesn't take himself seriously. And Honest to God. Tevin Pevin as 007. <laughs> It even oh, right. There we go. A role I was meant to play. Tevin and Pevin 007. It uh, rhymes everything. We were born to play this role, <laughs> Mr. Pevin. We'll be back right after this with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our Guaranteed Offer Program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our Guaranteed Offer Program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. There is a house in New Orleans. Love this song. Eric Burton and the Animals did it best, though. Who's that? I think this is a live version of it. That's Eric Burden? Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound anything like him. Had he been hitting the bo- a bottle a little bit? Well, it's amazing how different artists will sound live oh, versus yeah. recorded. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. There's a lot of that. Steve, how are you? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing extremely well, Steve. I, I want to pronounce your name like they would in my old neighborhood, Dischiavi. Is that how you say your uh, last yeah, name? Yeah, that's, that's the Italian version. Is it certainly? <laughs> so it's not Dischiavi? It is Dischiavi in Italy, but in America we, we pronounce it Dischiavi. So. Dischiavi. Okay, well, Steve, I, hey, whatever. I just want to, you know, I want to make you come. So Dischiavi is how you pronounce Steve Dischiavi, ladies and gentlemen, The Dead Files premiered uh, Thursday, July 11th, just four days ago, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central on Travel Channel. Former NYPD homicide detective Steve Dischiavi and physical medium Amy Allen are back on the case with a brand new season of Travel Channel's hit series, The Dead Files. I love your show, by the way. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. That's terrific. It's really, really good. Um, so, we move on to a new season. Uh, brand new season starting last Thursday. Where do you want to start? Because it, it's, a, it's a really... Do you have a lot of input in the way the show is shot? Uh, as far as like the way they, no, not really. I mean, that's all production and, uh, I have my, you know, my, uh, things I do not like, like somebody 
freaking camera angles they use, obviously. <laughs> you know, because I do like to eat, obviously, but, you know, you don't have to show it on TV every time. <laughs> hey, Italian food is phenomenal. I'm sorry. Yeah. It yeah, just is. So, uh, you know, stuff like that gets me annoyed. And then, you know, everybody wants their, their pound of flesh and they want to do their thing and do this and that. So, not really. I don't have much of a say, but... Um, they do a great job. I mean, our, our, yeah. our camera guys and uh, our crew are amazing. I mean, our, our show almost looks like a movie. I mean, the way they shoot it. So right. I give them a lot of credit for that. Do you ever have to, Steve, kind of step aside and go, you know, as a, as a former NYPD homicide detective, a detective would never do what you want me to do. Are, are you able to do that kind of thing? Or do they not, you know, do those yeah. kind of things to you? I've had this argument for, uh, I had this argument early on. Um, and not so much as far as the investigation goes, but the way, the order in which I would question somebody. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so for me, Neo Sweet is my Bible. When, where, who, what, why, and, you know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. So when the way they need things for storytelling for television, you know, it was all new to me. So sure. you know, I never did television before. And, um, it was going against every grain in my body to answer questions in the order that they wanted me. It was my questions, but they just wanted it in a different order. Oh, yeah. And, you know, watching interviews on television and, you know, stuff like that, I, I understand more about it. Obviously, I, you know, I go with the flow now. But um, early on, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot for a guy that worked in homicide for 13 years and, you know, 23 years on the street, three years as a Marine, and then I, I got some producer telling me, yo, we need to ask it, you know, the question here. And, you know, it, it, it kind of got under my skin. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know what? I, you can't argue with success. Yeah, well, you're they, absolutely you know, right. Yeah. yeah. So they obviously know what they're doing. Um, but, you know, early on it was tough. And I tell that to all guys that aren't used to television, that it's starting to get into stuff like this. I said, listen, you're gonna, your ego is going to take a hit. So just get used to it. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Do you find, uh, now we had a, uh, Chad Lewis on with us earlier this hour talking about um, some, you know, uh, these these uh, apparitions and, you know, some of these beings, like it was the, what was the name of the? The uh, Mud Monster. The Mud Monster. The Big, yeah. big yeah, Muddy Monster. The Big Muddy Monster. Do you, do you find doing your show that a lot of people kind of project on things like paranormal activity or unexplained activity? Is a lot of it based in their own personal fears, you think? Uh, you know what? You know, our clients are very different. Each one of them is very different. Oh, okay. A lot of them have their own backstory and stuff. But I think what's happening is the more, the more paranormal stuff you're seeing on television or even in the movies, I, I think it kind of it, it lends into them having their own, oh, well, it must be this because I saw that on television. Yeah. It must yeah. be that, I, you know. And that kind of that can that could be an issue. Uh, it doesn't mean they're not having problems, mm -hmm. but it may not necessarily be. Ninety percent of the time, the client thinks they know what's going on in their house, and ninety percent of the time, they're wrong. There's oh. very few clients that ever get it, you know, right. Yeah, because basically, right. It is brought up in the bio. It says you ultimately have to decide if it's safe for them to stay in their houses. That's got to right. be got to be some pretty frightening if you're telling these people you should probably not live here anymore. I mean, that's. That's a pretty big deal, well, I would think. Yeah, I mean, that's coming from uh, my partner, Amy, and I don't give right. those advice okay. out. She does it for the okay. paranormal side, and 
you know, basically she, she's telling him, listen, you can't stay here. And she doesn't like to do that unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the cases that we've had, especially the last four years, three or four years, it seems like more people opened up to calling us in. Yeah. And it seems like a, a lot more places we're going to. It's not just the house. It's the whole damn area. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really? Know? So, yeah. And, you know, this, this, she's like, you got to move within, you got to move at least five miles from here. It's not 10. I'm at like, least really? five. Well, okay. yeah, there you go. Uh, we're so, talking to it, Steve DeShawi. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to introduce you again. Steve DeShawi, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Dead Files premiered on uh, Thursday, July 11th, 10 p.m., 9 Central Time on the Travel Channel. Uh, I, I love talking to you guys about this kind of thing because it's... Uh, you know, uh, well, I do have to ask you a question. I hope this is not too personal, Steve, but did you grow up a nice Catholic boy? I did. Well, I wouldn't say nice, but I did grow up Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So there was a lot of that when you were a kid going, did you go to Catholic school? No, I was, um, you know, it's a weird thing. I was supposed to go to Catholic school, but I caught the measles right before I was supposed to start. Oh, yeah. Because I couldn't start on time. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they wouldn't accept me. So I was a product of public school, hence why I became a civil servant. Yeah, well, there you go. That's that's a good argument. I like that <laughs> argument. <laughs> but, but still, did you, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you, you probably, mom and dad wanted you to go to church with them on Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, and, you know, as I got older, uh, and I want to say older, um, in my teenage years, you know, I was kind of like, this is a lot of crap. I don't want to do this. <laughs> You and everybody else, Steve. Yeah, me too. I mean, like you know, and and and, to, and today I'm not very religious at all. I consider myself mm -hmm. uh, spiritual, you know, yeah. because what I know about human nature, I do question a lot of stuff that we're told that happened two thousand years ago, and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, you know what? I know how people are, and I might have a, I might have an objection to what I'm listening to right now. And that's in every religion. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's something. Yeah. It's just that every every religion has their thing that they're based on from thousands of years ago. Yeah, and that's, and that's the reason I asked you that question, Steve. If you did go to Catholic, uh, you know, you grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school for nine years. And you hear a lot about all, all the different, you know, saints and all the different demons. Yeah. And you got the Holy Ghost and all that. So it's kind right. of ingrained. It's in your head that these things are actually out there, you know. Right. You know, it's the whole purgatory thing. If you're right. bad... You go to hell if you're not too bad. You'll go to purgatory for a little while and then take a trip upstairs. And, you know, that was ingrained in you as a kid. Mm -hmm. So, but if you said you saw a ghost, they tell you to shut up and go to bed. Right? <laughs> no That's true, Steve. Right. There was no, uh, oh, really? Tell me what you saw, little Johnny. No, none of that crap happened. You know, it was, it's always the, hey, listen, go to bed. We're drinking. We're, you know, go to bed. You're a kid. Leave me alone. I love it. So. So, just a quick, uh, you know, look inside the show. We're talking about the Dead Files, again, on the Travel Channel, uh, 9 o'clock Central Time, on Thursdays. Um, so, Amy comes in. She's a paranormal expert. You come in, former NYPD homicide detective. How, how, did, the, how did the two come together? Does she actually pick up on things and, and your expertise as a homicide detective? You've dealt with this kind of thing, you know, death and all the rest of it for your whole career. So they, they, they must have done a pretty good job pairing you two, I would think. Well, know what it was? I, I knew the creator of the show prior to uh, oh, okay. doing the Dead Files. He had tried putting me in a couple of, you know, pr private investigation, nothing to do with the paranormal, private investigation type uh, mm -hmm. of uh, TV shows. But, you know, all the networks are, he's too Brooklyn, he's too fat, he's too short, he's this, that, <laughs> and the other thing, you know. 
all the, all the nonsense that goes on with Hollywood. Right. And then he approached me about doing the Dead Files, and I'm like, you're out of your mind. There's no way I'm doing a paranormal show. You know, we crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when we talked about the concept and how I'll have nothing to do with the paranormal end of things, I'm like, okay, as long as I have nothing to do with the the boogity boogity stuff and running around with the first like an idiot. You know, Steve, you need to call into the show all the time <laughs> just to talk. Whether you want to promote the show and I just call in, we'll talk. It'll be great. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I, I didn't want to get involved in any of that because I've seen some of these shows and, and you know, I hate, I'm not going to mention any which shows in particular, but some of them are a joke. It's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah and I, I, would, I would never, you know, my integrity and my reputation is all I got, right? Mm -hmm. 22 years on the job. So I'm not going to jeopardize that just to be on television. It's not like I'm making uh, life-changing money here. No, I understand my ex that exactly. My ex-wife oh. is not me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the check goes right to her now, huh? That's... Oh yeah, yeah. Government gets a third, she gets a third, and I get whatever's left over. <laughs> oh, and my attorney. Oh yeah, I forgot my attorney. Yeah, I forgot your attorney fees. So you yeah. end up with nothing, actually. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm a humble man. I'm, I started. I'm the same as I started out. Nothing's changed. I like that. It's a, so how do they work the two together? Since you have nothing to do with the paranormal, she has nothing to do with being a homicide detective. How do, how do they blend the two of you together to come to a conclusion? Well, basically, they filmed two shows. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah, that's so right. That's me, right. Yeah. yeah, they filmed me separately from her. I, we don't even stay in the same hotel. Right, right. Um, and I don't see her until the last step, to the last scene, which we call the reveal. And you know what? I could take a lie detector test and say she doesn't know anything about the location we're going to. Uh, and that's a pretty bold statement. Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of naysayers out there. Oh, she must know something. She can barely work her phone, let alone a computer, trying to figure out some of the information we got, you know? <laughs> and you know what? A lot of the information I am getting comes up maybe a day before the reveal or two days before. <clears throat> so if I'm getting it, then it's impossible that she got it. So um, when the naysayers say stuff like that, I'm like, listen. You know, say what you want. We have a pretty good audience that believes, you know, we're, our integrity is intact. So, I, you know, I, that much I got to say about a show. It's pretty integrity rich. I give it that. Well, see, that's a wonderful thing. But, you know, I would assume, uh, you know, former NYPD homicide detective, you're going to have to keep uh, keep that forefront. One thing I will tell you, Steve, is you remind me a lot of uh, some a couple of guys I went to school with. Uh, this guy's older brother. Um well, I, I won't use any names here, but I got in a little tussle with the younger brother. And so the okay. older Italian family brother calls me and goes, hey, Tommy, what are you guys doing? And I said, I don't know. He said, I heard you got in a little uh, brouhaha. I said, yeah. And he goes, well, don't do that again or I'll come over there. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you sound just like him, Steve. <laughs> I was the baby. I'm the youngest of six, so I had all the brothers and sisters I had to deal with, so they took care of me. It's a great, it is a great show, as I said. I love the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, The Dead Files premiered on Thursday, July 11, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Travel Channel. Uh, it is a really, really good show. As a matter of fact, you'll really enjoy it. Each of the 10 one-hour episodes, the duo joins forces to help frighten property, own, uh, frighten property owners. Uh, suffering from unexplained and dangerous paranormal activity. From their unique viewpoints, DeShiavi and Alan work to uncover the truth behind their clients' startling claims and ultimately decide if it's safe for them to stay. That's a pretty good descriptor, I would think. They did a nice job yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it blends the two different uh, 
Yeah. You know, on the show working on it. So I think it's wonderful. All right, Steve. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep your phone number and I'm gonna call you whenever I feel like it. What do you think? <laughs> well, whatever you need a laugh, give me a shot. <laughs> yes. You made me I laugh a lot. my bourbon in me, my cigar's going, it's all good. <laughs> all right, we'll see you on Thursday, 9 o'clock Central Time on the Travel Channel. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's great having you on. Absolutely. Steve Deshavi. Okay, talk to you guys soon. We'll talk to you soon, Steve. Steve Deshavi. It's Deschiavi, is how you actually would say. Deschiavi. Yeah, and I, I looked him up, and he looks exactly how like you, you would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he's I loved great. Him. Oh, just, awesome. He's wonderful. Dave, yeah, Dave just had him on Beyond the Darkness this past week, and if you want to oh, check okay. out a full, longer version yeah. of Steve, it was the Sunday episode. You can so go to Podcast hilarious. One, or actually just go to darknessradio.com. It's up there. So yeah, he, he loves Steve. And I wonder how like hard it is to convince these people like they need to move out. Like I feel like I've had mm. paranormal activity. Yeah, you don't have to well, tell me true. that I should move. I'm already put the house up for sale and staying at a hotel. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I if if I was in a home that was infested, I'd stand my ground. I'd be like, oh no, you guys are out. Uh, I never. I n- I've never had anything close to that experience. So I don't know what that's all about. Some people. I mean, the, you know, it affects people's lives. Whether it it's something that's going on personally with them yeah. obviously something's going on because you wouldn't think right you know especially it causes you know issues between family members and kids and when you have that and you've had something outside coming in and influencing it it's nice to have people like amy and steve and mm-hmm. people that can come in and give you a peace of mind on what's actually going on i yeah. like this these this kind of paranormal thing on mondays it's an exciting way to kick off the week yeah i like that what do you think Tell i like it I'm, I'll, I'll be here Tevin Pevin. I'll be here. Tevin Pevin, 007. <laughs> Tevin Pevin. I love it. No. Tevin Pevin, 007. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.